This is Tara speaking. Hey, Tara, this is Jay Izzo. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Great. Thank you. Okay, you sound great, too, as well, by the way. Good. There's and a new phone, so... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, well, we'll, I, I think we'll we'll cook with gas to, this time. <laughs> well, and, and I took some safeguards. Uh, I'm doing some safeguards. I should have done it before, and I didn't do it in that uh, I'm going to record directly into uh, the computer, plus I'm also going to go Facebook Live at the same time. So oh. that, as I'm doing, because I'm recording through two different mediums, as I'm doing that, they're both probably going to be pretty good. So uh, okay. we're going to do that. So here's... Here's what we'll do. I'm going to do the same thing that I did the last time we were together and that, you know, I'm going to open up the show and and I'll have a little music in the background. By the way, let me test the music out to see, to make sure that's not too loud. So I'm going to just play this. You tell me if it's too loud on your end, okay? Okay. Can you hear it at all? No, <laughs> I couldn't hear it at all. Okay, how about how about now? Not yet. Okay, good. Okay, that's perfect. Because I, okay. I, not always not always should you hear it. So the fact that it's on my end is a, is a good thing. Okay. So, oh, okay. Yeah. So because sometimes what happens is if it bleeds through, then people can hear it and it's real loud and it can be pretty uh, funky. So anyway, so what I'm going to do is we'll get going here and then I'll do the show like I did. You know, I, I asked people about their four areas of their life and check in with them on that. And then I will introduce you and then uh, we'll go. So I'm just going okay. to keep you on the line and um, you can just listen to me ramble. All right. I love it. Yeah, no, I was disappointed because we had such great connection. So I will enjoy listening to you. <laughs> well, this is going to be even better because the connection is even going to be better. And I'm thrilled because everything is being done in-house. And instead of me being somewhere in the middle of Kansas and then back shot back to me. <laughs> and okay. so uh, everything's going to be here. Okay. So okay. we're going to go in three, two, one. Hi everyone and welcome to A New Direction. My name is Jay Izzo and it's a special edition of A New Direction because we're on a Friday. We normally do Thursdays. That's normally our day. But we are doing a special edition Friday, which I don't normally do except we had some technical difficulties. Here I am. I'm called the Internet Doctor and you can have technical difficulties. The truth is, yes, you can have technical difficulties and we certainly had them. And so I'm bringing back uh, author, speaker, uh, she's a therapist, a counselor, to uh, just amazing, Tara Judson-Stariel, and she's going to be with us, and she's going to be talking to us about her um, awesome book, Sanity Lost and Found, A True Story of Brainwashing and Recovery. But before I get to her, I do what I always do, and I don't care even if it's a special edition, I always do this exact same thing, and that is I check in with you to see... How are you doing in the four areas of your life? I look at four areas, right? Because I believe we're four-part people. We're physical people, we're mental people, we're emotional people, and we're spiritual people. And so I want to ask you right now, on a scale of 1 to 10, how are you doing physically? 1 being you're really not very good physically, and 10, you couldn't get any better physically. So where are you at with that scale? Eating right? You getting into the gym? You doing some extra walks? Take care of your heart? Have you cut out a few things maybe you don't need in your diet? You know, and by the way, you can't diet and expect that to be the answer because it's got to be a lifestyle. Because here's what I know about dieting: you're going to get off a diet because that's what we do, right? It's called a diet because you get to a point and then you don't diet anymore. That we all do it, and then we wonder why did we gain back the weight because you stopped dieting. But if you make a lifestyle change. That's when things can be permanent. So, you know, and, and by the way, I know you can't do it all at once, so do it in little pieces, right? I talk about baby steps all the time. You want to get into momentum, whether it's physical, mental, emotional, or spiritual, you do it in baby steps, little small increments, because those are achievable. You've heard people say things like, well, you know, how do you eat an elephant? Well, one small piece at a time, right? So you have to do all these things in, in that type of manner too. So how are you doing physically on a scale of 1 to 10? Two, how are you doing mentally? Are you doing things to expand your mind? Are you doing things to 
to it grow both sides of your brain. You know, the right side is the creative side, the left side is the logical side. What are you doing in order to make sure that your brain is expanding and growing and doing? Right. So it could be something as, you know, maybe learning a new instrument or maybe perhaps what you're doing is you're uh, perhaps maybe trying to learn a new language or maybe you're working on some sort of math skills. Maybe you're thinking about going back to school. That's, you know, that's a real big thing right now. And, and what a great way to expand your mind. And by the way, on this scale of one to ten, I'm not expecting you to go from a one to a ten. I'm expecting you to go from a three to a four or a six to a seven. Because when we try to go from a one to 10, then that's when we set ourselves up for failure. So where are you at mentally? And then where are you at emotionally, right? One of the things you'll hear people talk about emotional quotients or emotional intelligence, and I like to talk about emotional intelligence to a great extent, but the point is what are you doing emotionally? To help yourself, are you in control of your emotions? Are you practicing how to be better at control of your emotions? What are you doing to make sure that your emotions are that you're able to connect with other people in your emotions? Can you can you read other people's emotions? Do little things get to you? Are you able to go ahead and and be able to pull it back? So I want to check in with yourself emotionally. Right? Because the, the truth of the matter is, the better that you can control your emotions and the better that you can understand other people's emotions, the better person that you're going to be. And if you're going to be more successful in whatever you do, whether it's your life or your marriage or your relationships or your, you know, your career, whatever it may be, that emotional component is extraordinarily important to you to develop over time. Because when I hear people say, well, I can't control my emotions, yes, you can your emotions don't control you, you control your emotions, but we have to be very intentional about that process and how we're going to do that. And then finally, on the scale of one to 10, where are you at spiritually? And spiritually is just really anything that you connect to outside of yourself. Where do you connect outside yourself? Do you connect to God? Do you connect to nature? You know, how do you connect? Because there's a lot of things in this world we can't explain through science. And our eyes deceive us all the time, and things just happen around us. You know, I, I, I often say, we put our faith in something, and it's usually in something that we really can't see, but we do put our faith in something, and we believe, we have a belief system that challenges us, and that we go, this is our belief system, and this is how I'm going to believe, and, and we put faith in that. And, you know, if it is God, you know, how is that relationship going? Have you distanced yourself from it? Have you, have you been able to connect into it? Have you tapped into it? Because those are just important areas. So check in with yourself. I hope you will because if you do this on a regular basis, it'll help you get to that next level and that next step. And that brings me to our next guest who I am going to introduce because she is a person who in increments was able to get herself step by step by step. She is just one of the most beautiful people I have ever talked to. And those of you who've never, who don't know, there was a behind the scenes problem. We had some technical difficulties. And so we actually have done the show once and we had such beautiful synergy together, uh, Tara and I did. And we, there was a fear that perhaps maybe we would lose that synergy. Uh, but you know what? I believe that she, I call her friend because I feel like I've known the most intimate parts of her. And so I, I'm going to just do the introduction that uh, our friend Richard Kuritz writes because I belong to the same uh, publicist as she does. So in some way or another, we're all vulnerable. And far too often, our vulnerability leads to abuse and subjugation when we either give up our personal power or have it taken away from us. Tara Judson Stariel is with us on the show to talk about the ways in which we can be manipulated and how we could take back our power. A, a bright and beautiful child, I'm just telling you, this book is amazing, brought up in an idyllic ranch setting as a young woman, she should, have it, she should have had it all. Instead, Tara fell prey to a psychopath who consumed more than a decade and a half of her life. Cult is a word we all know, but few will ever have reason to confront in their own lives. A cult is something other families might have to deal with, something that will impact other children, maybe or maybe not. 
How do we become victims of our own irrationality? What makes us vulnerable to the predators among us? How vulnerable are we? Tara Judson Stariel not only escaped being a victim, but went on to assist others so that they are not a victim. And so Tara Judson Stariel, welcome to A New Direction. Thank you, Jay. Thank you very much. It's an honor to be here again. Thank you. Yeah, I and you know what? I am... I am so glad that we're doing this again because I enjoyed the <laughs> first time we did this actually so much. Me too. And yeah. I, I, because you know I enjoyed the book, and I, but more so than that, getting to talk with you and just how I love I love people's stories when they overcome, right? But you Thank are just you. you're yeah. just you're just a sweet you have a sweet <laughs> heart. You have just a sweet demeanor, and you, you. are so positive. And you, for because I'm going to tell you something. I, I've been around wounded animals. You and I both have. We've been around yeah. them as farm. We're, we're farm kids, and as farm kids, we've been around wounded animals, and we yep. see how what that can happen to them. We've seen abused animals and how they sometimes don't recover, or it takes just forever to do that. Yeah. And. You know what? You have been able to come not only through it, but you have now taking the message to other people and helping them to get through it. And that's cool. And I just and I just want to affirm you for who you are and just say thank you so much for uh, being that person and, and because it says something more about you and your willingness to share with um, my listeners, but share with the world your story. So thank you so much. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm very touched. I, uh, wow. I need to let you know, Jay, um, I mean, really thank you from my heart, that I had so much help and, and was really led to write this book. I felt kind of silly about it and a lot of shame and then really felt that if my story could help others then it would be worthwhile exposing you know the craziness that I've experienced and I wouldn't be here without my faith without the support of the therapist that I you know that I used that loved and cared for me and helped me through back to reality and my family I just have been so blessed and so thank you very much it's really a pleasure to be here thank you so this book that you wrote sanity lost and found a true story of brainwashing and recovery and it it, it is a true story by the way this yes is a total true story but the story is, while the story focuses well i don't i'm not gonna say it focuses well one part of the story focuses on somewhere around 15 years of your life that just seemed to be lost with Solar, who was the, I guess he was the head of the, the particular cult. and right. And that you were lost in. But the truth of the matter is, when, I, when you read this book, there are a lot of things that built up to that. I mean, there, there, was, a, there was a lot of damage going on, right? Right. Yes. I mean, that's how we become vulnerable to being controlled by another or being hijacked in some kind of a belief system that will subjugate our needs or our rights. And and certainly as a child, having experienced medical procedures, no one in those days used to tell children, you know, and of course we're scared as little kids, you know, what we're going to do. And we were tricked and coerced and, it, you know, we were, children weren't really regarded as real people until just recently and then having been molested and having parents that were just really wounded, so wounded themselves that they didn't really have time to pay attention. My mother was terribly depressed and I had a good bond with my father for a while, but then he wasn't happy, had to go do something that wasn't of his choosing. And and so when we're neglected like that emotionally, we are very vulnerable and we will fall prey. It's like every child molester knows they can sniff out predators can sniff out just like wolves can find the weak and the wounded and the aged there is something about having not had sufficient emotional needs met that leaves us open to someone preying on our vulnerability and that's that's what happened to me (laughs) well yeah i mean i know that that happened to you but i also look at i also look at this whole 
thing of I, I know this all happened to you, but then there's there's the parental there's the parental thing. There's uh, you know there's a lot of people who go through divorce, you know, whose parents go through divorce when we're younger or when right. we're in the middle and everything like that. But it has effect on the child, right? Yes. I, I mean I, I I mean I am I'm divorced and remarried, and it and it I know that it took its toll on my son. I, I know it did. And I know that it was uh, it was a hard thing for him, and it was a hard thing on his mother and I. And but I knew that the situation that we were living was not also going to be a healthy environment for him. And at the same time, and I know they ha- they had these effects, and that happened to you too, right? I mean, so talk about those effects of, you know, the the estranged parents and that piece. Right. Well, you know, uh, first of all, I wanted to say that, yes, adversity happens, and we're actually designed to evolve through it. If we ignore the adversity, it's like if I had a sliver in my arm and I kept ignoring it, it could actually fester into blood poisoning, gangrene. It would be silly, but I could actually, through that ignoring of the problem, lose my arm. And so emotional wounds fester within us, and they continue to grow as we grow. And if people don't attend to that, the relationships that we have, if there's not sufficient support, then we will eventually end up being driven by those wounds to try to find, in a dysfunctional way, them being met. So uh, when my father stopped talking to me and said he wouldn't love me, never would forgive me, that was crushing, and, and I didn't have a good relationship with my mother. And when I had the paranormal events and was told explicitly this message about the future of the world and somehow I took it upon myself that I had to share that message and when I failed I mean like you know no kidding no one wants to hear some crackpot saying hey we've got to you know the words were given to me if humans don't change the way that they're living life as we know it on the planet it was said to me life as you know it on the planet will not continue to be the same and then I had uh, miracles and really strange events, paranormal events that I, I really thought I was losing my mind. And I tried to share that and it really fell on deaf ears. And so my vulnerability, my my angst increased. And this man had all the answers for me. And really, it, we need to teach people that no one has the answers for us if they're on two legs. You know, we, we really have answers within us or People can guide us, but when we feel like we're being rescued, we're probably setting ourselves up to be victimized. So that's kind of what led me into, he had this spiritual enlightenment program and promised me a way to get closer to God and a way to find a a manner in which I could transfer this message to others. And I had tried, I'd studied all these disciplines, all kinds of religions, and had failed mainly because I hadn't worked on myself. So, so that's how I felt prey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, so is this, a, is this a common, do you find this to be like common, like when you see other people who fall prey to this, do you see the, do you see this as kind of a common denominator that they're all kind of searching or is there, is there other factors that lead into this? No, I, No, I think we actually have located a God center in the brain. It's in the neocortex, the higher brain. And I think that we're all searching for our roots. I mean, even adopted children look for their biological parents. There's something innately, inherently encoded in us, you know, with genetic material, biological material, and then I just think the essence of who we are, Einstein called it the unified field, that we're all connected and we're all searching that out. And if we don't have a clear sense of our boundaries, our needs, our rights, then someone can subjugate us and, and you know, move us into a direction that's self-destructive. Anybody who's shame-based, who has been violated or has had their rights uh, neglected or rejected, you know, someone from uh, extreme poverty where there wasn't enough love, a prejudice situation where where people decide that one group is better than the other. You know, all of this rejection causes a deep sense of unworthiness and a person not being good enough, where in fact we're all basically the same. And yet when when the dominant culture subjugates a person emotionally or actually physically or 
mentally or spiritually, then we become doubtful of our own worth, and that's where we're, we're again, vulnerable to the outside influences of another. And it does happen all the time in marriages, partnerships, in groups, religions. It's um, it's kind of the the way of human beings to learn how to find truth, truth within, and, and then to accept that not everybody shares that truth or is going to honor us, and we need to just take a step away from those people who aren't able to respect us. That's that's powerful. But it's, it's, it, is it easier said than done? <laughs> yes, I mean, I mean, I mean, because, like, I mean, you know, I, I think one of the things that I concern myself with, and, and, and I'm, I'm, I don't worry about it, but I do concern myself because I'm, I, I concern myself with people who are vulnerable. And I, I know that when bad things happen to good people, right, and, and when, when they do, or, happen to, or bad things happen to anybody, that what yeah. happens is if there's a, if there's a history of continuous bad things just happening over and over again. And, and, and it's not brought on by themselves, right? I mean, like your relationship with your dad. You know, your dad, you know, you know, was not exactly the person who was going to affirm you, you know, and he also didn't forgive you, you know, early on. And so those are bad things that happened that you didn't ask for. No, but, but Jay, I think that um, there is no blame that is really going to be helpful. I mean, people are responsible for what they do, but we're all products of our histories and our unconsciousness. You know, those behaviors that have been done to us that hurt us will drive the spectrum of emotions that are self-destructive, you know, anger, fear, and shame. And so we, we go to a place in our brains where we're truly out of our right minds because we're not relating in the here and now, we're being driven by history, by belief systems. That's what that's what drives people to go into cults is that we they don't live in the here and now. They're still being directed by their unprocessed emotions, and so things will continue to be unconsciously drawn to us until we work through the original wound. and And if you can take a step back from that, it's really movement towards balance, like all the planets stay on their axis, gravity doesn't make exceptions, you know, it doesn't matter who you are, how much money you have, gravity's not listening to that. So it, that's the inherent balance, in, and that's nature, and we're not exempt from it. We kind of think we're special and that we are, but we're moving towards balance too, and emotional balance is so necessary. So if it takes... You know, I mean, I think we get the little tap on the shoulder, maybe the whisper in the ear first, a little tap on the shoulder, Mm -hmm. and then maybe a rap on the back. And then, you know, if we wait till the two-by-four or the freight train version, you know, it's really wake-up time. And that's what it took me. (laughs) I did the freight train version. So I wrote that book in hopes that people will slow down and pause and reflect on what they're doing, who they're giving their personal power and time and energy to and to what. And does it serve them, or is it involved in the shame, blame, rage, you know, judgment game? So. And, and by the way, we're talking to Tara Judson Stariel. She's the author of the book Sanity Lost and Found: A True Story of Brainwashing and Recovery. And you can get it Kindle paperback. Go to your bookstore. Ask them if they don't have it on the shelf. Uh, it's available. It's a just a fabulous, fabulous read. I got so engrossed into your life i felt like i was living your life with you and it and and it was i I was i was getting mad at times yes yes i was yes i yeah there was because that's important because we want to be we know we want to be mad and make that other person wrong (laughs) well yeah not only was i angry that they were wrong I wanted to do something about it. You know, I, I yeah, mean, there was a part yeah. of me when we first talked, there was a part of me that literally was shaking with anger mm, because I yeah. was like, okay, I, okay, if she's not going to be able to take vengeance for her, then I'm going to, because I'm going to, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to open up a big old can of good old country whoopings and, and I'm going to have to handle this because, 
it, it just made me angry. And yeah. I don't know how that translated to you. You know, was, I mean, did you, did you experience the anger? I mean, were you experiencing anger after? Did you get that? No, with you, no. I take it as empathy. I mean, because as I exposed in my book, I went through a time of raging. I didn't know that it was rage, but I was filled with hatred. And there isn't one of us who hasn't been unjustly treated, and that pokes at that. But I think that, like Gandhi said, an eye for an eye and the whole world will be blind. There, There needs to be a better way for us to deal with the injustices or, you know, we just are going to perpetuate beating up one another emotionally, physically, or otherwise. And so, yes, what was done was so unfair, so heinous, so hideous, and yet the, the necessary part that is important to recognize is that I put myself there, whether it was consciously or unconsciously, you know, sometimes I consciously went back into the bowels of hell thinking that that mission was more important than my well-being. And that's what we do. You know, we we uh, sacrifice ourselves. And pe- people hurt themselves because they hate what's been done to their body if they've, say, been raped or abused, not recognizing they're not in their right minds. They're not relating to the here and now reality. And th- I couldn't do that because I was so locked into the, this belief that I had to do that, and once I was out of it, I hated him. Mm. Um, I wanted to kill the guy, and um, and that behavior um, directed me, I mean, to doing some silly things that I wrote about. And then I started, you know, through the wisdom of others, recognizing that, well, wait a minute, you know, ha- being filled with hatred is just like eating poison, expecting the other to die. And I started studying, uh, as, you know, um, a, a spiritual path called The Course in Miracles about teaching about forgiveness. And I found out I had to go through the emotions first, but how empowering it was to not let what this man had done to me control me in my life, in my emotions, in my physical being. And uh, I tell you, that was amazing. And And so I think that's really an act of courage that we need to entertain and look at. Not always easy, but it's certainly worthwhile. That's beautiful. Uh, We're talking with uh, Tara Judson-Stariel here on A New Direction. And she also, if you go to the centerforselfdiscovery.com, you will be able to see a picture of the lovely and talented uh, Tara. And she's right there. And she is a marriage and family therapist. And, and licensed in the state of California, of course. And she's a somatic therapist as well. And uh, she, her clientele includes adolescents, individuals, couples, and families. And I, I, I got to ask you a question about this whole cult thing. Because did you, is there a progression, like, and when I mean that, is like, okay, I know you're vulnerable. So you're vulnerable and you're looking and you're searching and you're trying to find something that you can that that you can kind of uh, relate to or that can fill your soul or fill you mentally and emotionally and maybe even physically. And mm-hmm. and I, I I know that it kind of starts there, but then does the, but then does the abuse have a progression? Like first yes. it's first it's like maybe it's emotional and then it moves to mental and then it moves to spiritual and then finally it moves to physical is there is there a common progression yes there there are actually some great books have been written about the steps that people take now, this guy had a master's degree in criminal psychology so he's well versed in how to break people down and so the first step is to gain their confidence you know good cop bad cop type of thing And, you know, all of us were looking for something, we were looking for a way to make the world a better place. I mean, so we had these pure intentions, but we'd all been very wounded and betrayed by someone that was important to us. And so that that was our vulnerability, that that we needed that chink healed. And so he, you know, encouraged us to purge from those places and, you know, tell me, and, and it was, he was uniquely comforting to me. I mean, I had shared with him some of the crazy things that happened. Oh, yeah, I understand, I understand. Well, that was unique. And so now I'm taking a step closer to him 
and then um, then he said, well, you know, in order to get through all this pain and suffering that you've had, you really need to step away from all that, and that's what we're going to call that your past. And so he started isolating me from my familiars, from my family, and he said, you know, you're going to be in this non-interactive program. Well, I had read about the Tibetan monks and people who'd gone into seclusion and were in, you know, retreats and were not interacting with society to get closer to God. Well, so that seemed logical. And then he started um, control. And then he's, you know, well, did you think of those people? Remember, you're to leave them behind. And so the past became this onerous thing that that I was shamed for and criticized for thinking of. And I had. Um, a dear relationship with my grandmother who becomes, you know, an amazing champion for me later on and my family. And so I couldn't, you know, you say, don't think of pink elephants. And that's the very first thing you think of. <laughs> the brain starts playing tricks on us. And so I couldn't not think about them. And so I was criticized and shamed and then told what a failure I was. I'd already felt like a failure, so he exacerbated the wound, poured salt into it. So now I'm even more desperate, but I still have this notion that he keeps reminding me, well, I can give you the answers, and you wanted to do this. I can help you. I'm the unique individual who can do that. And so I kept buying more into, you know, taking another sip of the Kool-Aid, that this was where I needed to go. So as he started controlling everything that I ate, and I started to lose weight, and he said, well, you wanted to lose weight, didn't you? So then I was deprived of food, and so your brain goes into this strange place where you're really not in your executive functioning part. You're in survival. So um, I was a vegetarian at the time, and he started you know, giving me food that I wasn't used to eating, and I was starving, so I started eating that, and then um, it just insidiously took over, you know, threw away all my possessions, everything that I had used to identify myself, what, how I had defined myself was being taken away. So this non-interaction with familiars left me incredibly vulnerable to his impressions. The notion that I still held that I had to do this, my life, my worth, life worth depended on it, that I was going to be lovable if I did this. And then as he encroached on my boundaries, and even though I said, you know, that's not right, I, I, I want to keep these things. Nope, they're part of your past. They're part of what's brought you here. Well, there was a little bit of logic in that, but there was a lot of inside information that my body and my heart, my mind, were trying to give me, but I overruled those, as human beings can do, and I said, no, this is more important. And so pretty soon he was controlling every aspect of my life, and then when I and then he started creating these standards that I couldn't fulfill. Well, then I was really wrong, and um, and I started taking it out on myself. And then he moved into physically hurting me, and and all of us. That's how he did it with all of us. And then pretty soon, you're gone. You're just a walking robot. When someone's battering you, you never know when you're going to be safe. Um, you do what we call is a trauma bond. Is that uh, people can look up the Stockholm Syndrome, mm. and that actually we have a documentation mm. of what happened. Or Patty Hearst, right. when she was abducted, you know, held captive in a closet and then raped, uh, she became a bank robber along with the Symbionese Liberation Army. They were a bunch of terrorists that, that had kidnapped her, and, and she joined them. And actually, when she, she got jailed, that's why she's still among our culture now, she got out, but they tested her, you know, the her family has lots of money and they started sending in psychologists to help rehabilitate her well she tested really low on her iq even though she's a very brilliant woman right. and that's because we go to this you know dumber place if you will this survival oriented place in our brains and we're not thinking rationally we're just thinking about survival and and so that's where i was that's where we were and he drove us into that place and of course i willingly walked into that thinking that this was what I needed to do in order to be redeemed, in order to be loved, in order to do that mission and come closer to God. So that's how that happens, is we keep giving up control, allowing someone to squash our boundaries, bump them, and then railroad over them. And pretty soon we're subjugated. We're, you know, we're uh, very dominated. Mm. Uh, we're, we're like, did you, 
excuse me. No, Go we're ahead. talking to uh, Tara Judson Stariel, author of the book Sanity Lost and Found, A True Story of Brainwashing and Recovery. I am uh, fascinated. Uh, I, I, I did some work in uh, the criminal end of psychology, forensic psychology, uh-huh. uh, for a little while. And I'm fascinated by the human mind, and I'm fascinated how we are able to allow ourselves to to do the things that we do, regardless of what it is. One of the things I think that is confusing to many members of the audience, I think confusing to a lot of people, and because we see, we'll sometimes see something on TV, and I'm, so I'm curious from your perspective, is why do people just want to continually, they're getting physically abused. Why don't they just get out? You'll hear people, I hear people say that all the time. Why, from your perspective, why don't they just get out? <laughs> right. You know, it's, it is a, a fascinating phenomenon that human beings do. We call it a trauma bond. And we're so survival-oriented, we will bond with our perpetrators in order to stay alive. But again, we're in that um, less intelligent place of our brain, which is all about survival mm-hmm. and not about rational thinking. Rational thinking happens in a different part of our, our brain when we're safe. And so we're, when we're all about survival, if how to survive is to make friends with the enemy, we're there. And that's why people stay. And then the other underlying reason is when, when we're vulnerable, it's because we don't have a sufficient full cup emotionally, so efficiently, a sufficiently full cup emotionally. And what that means is that our developmental needs were not met or we were neglected or abused or any or all of the above, emotional neglect is just as pervasively disabling as, you know, physical being wonked on, you know, being hurt and battered as a child. But trauma is what debilitates us. And so anytime our needs or our rights are violated or neglected, that causes trauma. And over time, trauma puts us into that place where we're so needy that some contact is better than no contact because human beings are hardwired for connection. So someone will stay in a battering situation because they're in survival mode and we need contact. And so if even though they're getting beaten, there will be, you know, that battering stage and then a honeymoon stage and then the tension building stage. The honeymoon stage is enough. It's like gambling, you know, intermittent reinforcement. Oh, the machine paid me off. Well, so what? I've lost $2,000. This time I know it's really going to pay hugely. I just keep putting in more money, and and that's what people do when they're in that hamster wheel of shame, fear, or anger-generated, driven behavior. We're not in our right minds. We're totally trying to survive, and we're not thinking about the outcome. We're just thinking about staying alive and having some kind of contact. So that's why people stay is because we need connection. And 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 I and I get that and I get that we do and I can certainly see that and you know the Stockholm syndrome you know which is yeah you know we talk about that in introduction to psychology because it's one of those fun things to kind of talk about as an intro class but <laughs> I, I think I, I I don't think people really grasp just how because people you know we want to believe that we're the exception. To the rule, right? I mean, we want right. we want to believe that. Oh no, we don't conform, or, or or there's no way they could make us do. No way can make me do that, right? And and yet, what you what you portray in this book is, hold it here. You were you were a farm girl, okay? You were a farm kid. You came right. from a pretty tough, rigorous lifestyle. I mean, yes. as as a as a farm as a farm guy. I, I'm just saying that you know <laughs> we we had to do we had to do things that most people would not do, nor would they stand the smell of. Right, right, right. right the basis, yeah, it's right. Raw so, life. Yeah, yeah, it's raw life, and we're we're taught from a pretty early age th- how to work on our own. Right, that, that you're left alone. You just need to get the job done, and so we have this pretty independent spirit. And yet here you are, somebody who has been well-trained and, and it's well-documented that you and and you had this whole individualistic viewpoint and yet you succumb to it and I and I constantly say Tara to people 
don't think for an instant that you're not or you cannot be vulnerable to this. I, it, it, there's a danger in that, don't you think? When we, we're so confident? Yes, because we're not looking at the warning signs. We're not asking ourselves, you know, we're so distracted in this culture that we don't realize it. And that's the insidious part of being taken advantage of, losing your rights, uh, giving up your autonomy. It just becomes normalized. You know, lemmings don't stop and ask themselves, why are we rushing off the cliff? <laughs> they just do it. And, and they, they join in because they're, they have this shared common bond. Well, well, Maslow decided that, you know, we need safety first and we need to belong. So if, if you, the group you belong to is doing something that you don't like, your safety is at risk. And so if, if that's really an important deal, then you override that. And, you know, George Orwell wrote about that, and we're seeing a lot of that in the world now where, you know, the Germans exterminated Germans. They didn't ask, well, um, are you okay with this? They thought they were doing the Jewish people and everybody else they obliterated a favor. Why? Because they decided that the people who held the money and who were different were their problem. They didn't question it, you see. They just, they had this higher ideal. Well, they were starving. I mean, it was a real time of need, and they bought into that. You know, slavery, all the subjugation, you know, the the when the people went all throughout South America, you know, they thought they were God's chosen and they had the right to do this. I mean, we, we trick ourselves constantly that we have the right to destroy or take over another's rights and and we forget <laughs> that we don't have that right, right. and um, and that's and that's because we don't recognize how vulnerable we are to our misguided misperceptions. And I think it's really important to give ourselves time to pause and reflect and ask: Is this serving me? Is this serving the greater good? Because if it serves me, it serves the greater good. We're all connected. It's mm, beautiful. Talking to Tara Judson Stariel, author of the book Sanity Lost and Found, a true story of brainwashing and recovery. She also is a therapist at the Center for Self Discovery. You can go to, to check more about what she does and how she does it. You can go to the Center for Self Discovery.com and uh, she's available. And she is uh, so candid and honest. This book is simply one of those books that you will get lost in because there are so many different characters in this book from your dad to your brother bruce to the, the you know the first marriage and going to over to south america and you, you know you were here you were doing what you thought was the greatest thing in the world and yeah. your, your grandmother who lives to 106 by the way in the book, which is it, it just a fast almost almost four months shy of four it, months, yeah. yeah, of 106, and and then getting lost in this cult with um, so solar. I, and I don't want to make fun of this, okay, because I certainly don't. But there was a part of me that goes, okay, when you want to call yourself solar, that should be an orange flag at least that says. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I pr- yeah. probably don't want to be involved with right. somebody like that, right? I mean, that, right. But that's but that, you aren't desperate. But you Jay, might. You, you aren't know, desperate. Yeah, I was. Yeah, that's the thing is that desperation, right? Does yeah. does things right? What did Skinner? You know, one of the things Skinner found, right, is you deprive an yeah. animal of something, and you can get that animal to do pretty much anything. Yes. You, and, and I mean, he demonstrated it, whether it was in pigeons or rats or whatever, he was demonstrating that deprivation is absolutely critical to behavior change. Right. If you do it. And, and I know that people don't like to hear that because they think it's manipulative and that type of thing, but it happens all the time. We're being deprived yeah. of something. It, it literally does. And that's why we sometimes fall into bad things. One of the things that, though, intrigued me was this after story. So I wanted us to get there because I, because we're going to talk about my favorite thing about this book. But what were the steps to getting out for you of the cult? Well, you know, remember he isolated us. And so as I started hearing, uh, you know, we were traveling all around. We were spiritual vagabonds. Uh, I started having interaction with others, and people were courageous enough to let me know that I could... 
I could serve God without being subjugated by this man or, or abused. I mean, it became obvious to some that that's what was happening. And that was like a little drop in this, you know, dry, arid bucket I had uh, of, oh. And, and so eventually, as each drop was, you know, placed in, I started, or like putting the borders, you know, around a puzzle, it started giving me a framework of, oh, there, you mean there is a different way? You, you, you mean that's possible? And so it, it started filling in the self-doubt with questioning what I was doing and, and then I, I credit my cousin Donna because she uh, she's that's why she's in the dedication and she she not only taught me about forgiveness but she also taught me she at one point we're broken down and we don't have any money and it, we're we're right outside of Yosemite and we have all of our the car just is totally gone and so we have our possessions in a garbage sack and I'm instructed to call my cousin and. And pleading with her to come drive, you know, a day and a half to come get us, and and I said, and she said, you know, why should I do this? Because bunch of reasons. You have to read the book to find out. <laughs> and <laughs> you wonder why she why she came. But I pleaded with her. I said, you don't understand. I'm I'm doing God's work. And she said, well, my God is a God of love. And and that was a pivotal moment for me. It's like the earth stopped revolving because I, I paused and it sunk in beyond the brainwashing and it was like, oh. And and that seed eventually grew as more and more people nurtured that awareness that, that God is love, you don't you know, this is not right. And then um and then I traveled around the country with him again several times and eventually got my own sign because I started praying constantly to be released from this, quote, mission. And when I had my own sign, which was a miracle, then I knew I, I was free to go. And then I started accessing the support and went to therapy the first time in my life. It was That was a really good thing. Mm-hmm. And started learning about what should have happened when I was growing up mm-hmm. and what helps and repairing that. So I got corrective emotional experiences. That's what we call it. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 there's a there's a something that I don't know why it's calling to me in the depths of my heart, and and it's the word called shame. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's just my journey of shame and recovery from it. Because I, I think shame is so powerful. Because the, I, I think the, the you know the the root of shame is fear, right? I mean the the ultimate root root. I mean like. The, the, you don't devolve, we, we will, what is it? There's a difference between vulnerability and divulging, okay? We pick and choose what we want to divulge. If we're truly vulnerable, you're the, we're an open, we're a glass-covered book. We have no boundaries, right. Right, right. And, and shame is one of those things that I think inhibits us from coming clean. Yeah, shame, you're as, is healthy as your secrets, and shame is this inherent oh, belief, beautiful. false You're belief. You're as healthy as your secrets. That, I love that. That we're unworthy. Shame, shame drives in this deep, deeply encoded neurological message: "I'm unworthy," and that's that. That's why people kill themselves is because at, deep at their core, they're shame based. That that fuels all addiction, all self destructive behavior, because on top of the truth of who we are, that we're love is this rejection, this hurt, this abuse, and that's that's called shame, you know, because we feel this happened to us because we're unworthy, especially as children. They blame themselves for everything negative that happens mm-hmm. until that's healed. But mm-hmm. see, it can be healed. Right, right, right. But it's just, I just find shame to be such a brutal part of us. You know, I it's mean, toxic. It, it's just, it is so toxic and, and it, it just inhibits us from so much freedom. I, I, shame just inhibits us from freedom where that, yeah. it just, and, 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 and I know that your freedom was different, you know, cause you're caught in this cult and, and 
it and I know that you were you you, you just thought this was this is the this was what you're supposed to do because you were desperate and you were vulnerable yep. and you had all those yeah. pieces and we had this build up of you know family rejection and and everything else that happened along the way to make this happen but then I one of the things I love about you so much and and it's so powerful and I and I'm going to tell you what happened after our first conversation and and I because oh, okay. well, this, this is a neat this is a neat story and it was typical what happens so you talk about the power of forgiveness and so and and we had talked and and it resonates with me so much because I believe that we need to forgive and yeah. and I believe that it's it's so important and I said you know one of the most powerful things I said is that we need we need to forgive we, we, forgiveness is important and I had literally Tara friends who said no way not you do something against my family you're never being forgiven you know no way we've got people and I couldn't believe the number of people who didn't buy into this idea of forgiveness mm -hmm. because they felt like what well, some level you know you can't you, you can't deal this and I, you can't you just can't forgive people you just you can't and I'm like going but you don't understand it, it, if you don't forgive, you are still, they're still hurting you. Yeah. They're, they're still hurting you. This isn't, you, I'm not asking you to get into the car with them. I'm asking, exactly. I, I'm asking you to let it go. But people are resistant to this idea of forgiving right. people who've hurt you. Talk about that. Well, when we're hurt, we're in that part of the brain that's angry because we have a neurological reaction to being hurt. And that's, it's a motivating energy to, you know, fight flight. And it moves, it protests the hurt and, or it moves us away from danger. And, and if we still perceive that someone has hurt us, the anger is still being kindled. You know, it's, it's you know, we're still fanning the fire. And if we recognize that people may have offended us and they're out of their right minds when they do that, and if we continue to feel angry, we are still allowing that hurt to be there. And it's really not a hurt that hurts my being. It hurt my personality. It hurt my physical body. But if you can look at what Nietzsche used to say, I mean, said, he's deceased now, but your worst enemies are your greatest teachers. If we can learn, well, what did that, you know, crappy thing that happened to me teach me about myself? If, if we look at resilience and, and find strength within us, in spite of what that person did, we've now taken back our power, and we recognize that in a very ironic way, they have served us. It's really weird. I mean, and most people don't like it because we'd much rather blame someone and shame them for their bad behavior. But it keeps us locked in to, um, I mean, the Kabbalah says that you, you tag yourself with them. I mean, it's, you know, what goes around comes around. So if you hate someone for what they've done, that kind of stuff is going to come back. It's so much better to step out of the way and let them deal with what they've done. Don't get in the car with them, like you said. You don't have to condone their behavior, but learn how our own vulnerability set us up to be victimized by them. Mm -hmm. Then we're stronger, we're smarter, and much wiser. So yeah. they served us. They, and, and, and don't they... Here's the thing I, I, I believe firmly about forgiveness, and, and I agree with you every single thing that you said, and I, the, the, but the, the strength part, it, is, it, it, re, it requires far, I believe... The stronger person is the one who can forgive, not the one who wants vengeance. Exactly. Right? I mean, and because vengeance is easy. Okay. It's automatic. Yeah. Yeah, because it's our, it, right? It's kind of our, our, our default mode. Yes. When, yes. So, when somebody does something against us or family, whatever, our default mode is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get them back. I'm going to take yeah. vengeance on I'm them. I'm going to get them. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And to be able to say, I got to forgive them, right? Or I got to forgive me. How about that one? I yeah, have, that's ultimately where it starts. Right? I got to yes. forgive myself, right? Because that's, 
that's not always easy to do. You know, when, you know, for some of us who look back on our past life and we go, man, I, I did some just terribly horrible things and I treated people awfully. And, and, you know, I try to make amends and, and hopefully I have to those people and, and that, but you know, you, you st- all of a sudden you relive those moments, right? Where you go, God, right. why did I do that? Right. Because we didn't know any better. Like Maya Angelou said, when you know better, you do better. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, it says so well. Yeah. And, and yet forgiving ourselves can be one of the hardest things to do. But it's so important. It is yes. so, it's so, it's so critical, right? I mean, yes. I tell people, you know, people who are watching the show and, and listening to the show, you know, this, it's critical for you to forgive yourself. It just is. And then you got to forgive those people who hurt you because they're still hurting you if you don't. Yeah. And they're ignorant or they wouldn't have done that. And so, you know, you really hope that they wise up and get smarter. Yeah. So, Tara, we have just a few minutes left. So, mm-hmm. first of all, I want to thank you. I, I've enjoyed this again, by the way. Me too. Thank you. It's <laughs> been great. What an honor. Thank you. I've enjoyed this, and I, I, I've enjoyed this, and I love the conversation. It just flows so much easier, and I think it's because we, we've kind of got an hour <laughs> to know each other prior. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's, it's been a little easier, I think, for, for me. But, and me too. Thank and, you. But you, you're, you're an amazing woman. You're an amazing person. Well, you, and well, you are too. Remember, if you've spotted it, you've got it. So. Uh, that's funny. Thank you. <laughs> but you, you really are. And I, I love the book. Uh, the book, again, is in, entitled Sanity Lost and Found, A True Story of Brainwashing and Recovery. It's available Kindle. It's available paperback. Uh, find it anywhere you get it. Certainly you can get it uh, at Amazon. But just ask for it. It's, it's, it can be found. It has an ISBN number, so you can find it, folks. Do it. And, and by the way, folks, this is a true story. And... There is no holds bar here because there's, I'm just telling you (laughs) that she is telling it as it is and as it happened. And it's, it's going to, it's going to challenge everyone in your emotions. It's even going to make you laugh at times. It's going to make you cry. It's going to hit every part of it. But I believe that every person will be able to relate to this book on some level. You will, you have either been abused and didn't realize you were being abused or you have been an abuser. And you, you, you just didn't know any better. And you didn't realize that what you were doing is you were manipulating people for your own benefit. And so I don't care who you are. Uh, this book is for you. And I'm telling you, you're going to get so engrossed and lost in the book from beginning to end. It's just a beautiful story and a beautiful ending. So, Tara, before I let you go, and because the, the show is entitled A New Direction, what your, give us a final thought on a new direction that people can take from you that you would like to share with the world right now on a new direction? Wow. Um, well, I would say that all of us have this amazing truth and self within us. And if we just paused and were curious, we would be amazed at how beautiful we are at our core and our right. essence. No matter what we've done, no matter you know what we are not liking ourselves for, if we just slow down and listen. There's this amazing, amazing being in each and every one of us. And if we if we took the time to do that, we would weep with joy because that's, I believe, who we truly are deep down inside. That is beautiful. Tara. Thank you. Thank you. Jay, thank th- you. Thank you so much. Um, I am, uh, I'm glad we got to do this. Me too. Thank you. And 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 it it sounds really good. I know it does because I'm watching the meters in front of me. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm watching okay. the meters, and I, I was. You don't know the studio, but there's a. This is going on Facebook Live on my channel called A New Direction. You don't know this, but my camera. There's a live camera on me, and it's oh. it started like there was a spiritual thing happening where. It would zoom in on my face and then go wide and then zoom in my face to go wide. So oh, how pe- sweet. So people were people were looking at me going, I don't know what's going on with your camera. And I just said, you know what, it just whatever. There's something weird happening, but it's okay because the sound was good. And so we had a bunch of people joining us on Facebook. So I want to thank them for joining us on Facebook yes. live um, yes. today. And, of course, you're going to be able to hear this podcast with Tara and I on iTunes and Stitcher and Spotify and TuneIn Radio and any place that that does podcasts you're going to be able to find this podcast later and 
as I tell folks all the time, you know what? Share it. You know, th- this show is not meant just for you to, just for you. I mean, I do want it to be for you, but it's also meant for you to share because we all know someone who is going through something and, and somebody like Tara has so much wisdom and so much guidance and her book can be a help and this show can be a help to you. So please do that. Be inspired. Tara, Judson Stariel, you are awesome. And thank you. <laughs> thank you. Such a pleasure and a delight and an honor, Jay. Thank you so much. All right. And you are too. Thank you so much. And I will talk I will talk with you soon. I've got a feeling. I got a feeling we're gonna be talking together soon. That would be great. Thank okay. you. Thanks. Bye now. Bye bye. Bye bye. So, so that was Tara Jutsis Dariel. This is the end of the show. I want to thank you all for being with me today. You're awesome. I want you to be inspired. Because when you're inspired, that means that you'll inspire somebody else. So, inspire somebody. Be inspired. I'll talk to you soon. Find your new direction.